This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. A number of years ago, I used to travel before we started pastoring the church. I traveled. And for people who have traveled a lot, this is not an uncommon occurrence. But you go to sleep in a motel room and woke up maybe during the middle of the night or early in the morning and just was completely disoriented. And I, I, I woke up and I thought to myself, where am I? I don't even know where I am. And it took a little while for my head to clear, look around, go, okay, I, I'm here in a motel room, then figure out what city. And uh, it, it's, it's like waking up in a new world. I feel like we all went to sleep in, in December of 2019 and we woke up in January and somewhere during this year, we're looking around going, where in the world are we? And what in the world happened? Our, our world changed. And so I, I want to do a, a series called In Times Like This. And this morning I want to talk about excelling in the environment that we're in. Now, we have to understand that our culture shifted and it, it, it shifted and it, and it shifted fast. Now, I say it shifted fast uh, for me, now, I am, I am 60. My youngest child, uh, Michael, is 27, probably because I have more context than he does. I, I'm looking at the things that have shifted, but even he would have to admit that it seems like the intensity, things that have happened this year, have just really ratcheted up. I mean, we're looking at, for example, a pandemic that has not just impacted our area, it's impacted our, our globe. And not only that, but it's revealed some of the division that is so, and it's ugly division that's here in our country. So we're dealing with that. And that, that's a new world for us. None of us have ever experienced that. You know, we shut the church down, the church opened back up, we shut it down again. That's never happened. So that's a, that's a different environment. And then we, of course, have the, the racial tensions and the social tensions that's going on probably brewing underneath the surface and all of a sudden it just overflowed. And so that's created a, a, a different environment. We're looking around going, what in the world happened here? And then we, we look at um, this, this disruption of order. The idea that, that people are actually entertaining the idea of defunding police. I mean, that is an invitation to chaos because authorities... And structure has been set up by God. We need that. You take that away and it, go, it goes crazy. It didn't work in Seattle. And so people are actually entertaining that idea. What world are we living in? And then, and quite honestly, I think we have seen the demise of freedom of speech. Freedom of speech said in, in America, it used to be, you could have a different opinion from someone else and everyone said, well, that's your difference of opinion. And actually, people used to be kind of kind about it. Well, we don't agree, but we don't have to be disagreeable. Those days, <laughs> those days are over. Because now, if you just simply disagree with the culture, the prevailing culture, the social media culture, the media culture that's so dominant in our country, if you disagree with that, you can be fired or shamed or harassed into some kind of half-baked apology and we're asking ourselves, what in the world happened? Now you, ask, you have to ask this, did this catch the Lord by surprise? Answer is no, it did not. In fact, the scriptures foretold of these times that we're living in. I know people say, oh, the last days. No, no, we're, we're in the last days. And Paul wrote to Timothy, and this is what he told him here. This is out of the New Living Translation. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. 
But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true for you know that you can trust those who taught you. Actually, I've, I've condensed a passage there where Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, there, tough times are coming. And then he begins to give a laundry list of, of the way that people would, would react. He says things like they would scoff at God. Well, we're seeing that. Saying things like they would be cruel. They would be slanderers. They would be haters of what is good. So I, I wish I could tell you that we're going to go back to the way it was in the 1950s in America. I don't believe that's going to happen, guys. I believe just where we are in time and where we, we are, what's going on, that the evil and the, and the darkness that we're seeing is not going to go away. But Paul never told Timothy, Timothy, you need to be scared about this. Timothy, you need to be concerned about this. He said, Timothy, you need to stay faithful to what you've been taught and stay with it. Guys, listen, this is a time, especially, and I'm speaking to those of you who are believers, those of you who are Christians. This is not the time that we run and hide. This is not the time that we back off of our faith. In fact, this is the time that we double down on what we have been taught and what we've learned from. And, and man, we, those of us who know truth, man, we got to hang on with it. This is not the time to start. I realize that the online church may not be your idea, but this is not the time to stop watching. In fact, if anything, this is the time to not just watch Sunday, watch Wednesday. Because we're living in dark times, we don't have to be afraid of them, but we have to stay faithful to what we know is true. Now, one of the greatest examples that we have of this was an example from the Old Testament about a young man named Daniel. Classic story of Daniel who, who woke up in Babylon. Went to sleep in Jerusalem, woke up in Babylon, and that's a whole different culture. The story, I'll get just a, a quick background. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. It was a world power at that time. And about 600 years before Jesus was born, Nebuchadnezzar came and, and put a siege around Jerusalem. It was, it was horrible. It lasted a year and a half. We've been in this pandemic for months. This was a siege that lasted for a year and a half. And finally, Jerusalem folded Nebuchadnezzar came in, took stuff out of the temple, and took thousands of captives back with him to Babylon. One of the captives he took was a young man named Daniel. Daniel had three friends. Um, we, we know him as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego only because it's easy to pronounce those and remember those, but actually they had Hebrew names. Daniel woke up in a new culture. Let's see what happened here. Then the king instructed, that's Nebuchadnezzar, instructed Ashpenaz, master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now this is Daniel. This is his situation. He, uh, he has come into a, a situation where he's grown up in kind of a backwater area and he has just moved to the most powerful, most progressive, most modern civilization of that time. They were a world power. They were the world power. And so now he is, he is here. I'm sure he's looking around. The buildings are different. Everything is different. And it was, a, it was not the same culture he grew up in. He grew up in a very God-honoring type culture where God was acknowledged and you learned scriptures 
And this was not a God honoring. In fact, they, did, they only honored their gods and they did not honor Daniel's God because their philosophy, the, the Babylonians was, if we defeat you, then our gods are better than your God. And our gods are stronger than your God. So they had no respect whatsoever for Daniel's God. And it created an environment too where this was a real culture that exalted man. Now, I think it's interesting that as we look at this story, it said they only picked out good-looking people. So the king was exalting man. If you were average-looking and you weren't that smart, you didn't get picked. But you had to be good-looking. You had to be the cream of the crop. You had to be the smartest and the best. Those are the people. So really, you're talking, you know, God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outside. This, that's exactly what this, this culture was. They were very outside-oriented. But for Daniel... Think about it. Daniel, there was pressure, immense pressure on him to stay in this culture because he's in a, an academy. It's almost like a, a West Point. He was being trained to serve the king three years and, and they would teach him the culture, the, the language of the, of the Babylonians, their, their literature. What, what are they doing? They're going to inculcate him into the culture that they're in. And it was a probably immense pressure because if you didn't do that, what were you going to do? I guess you could farm maybe or you could work for someone else. Daniel really, if you think about it, had, a, had the, one of the best positions you could be in as a captive. But we're going to find out that even though that Daniel was in this culture, this culture was not in Daniel. We'll see what happened next. Now, those from among those the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Bendigo. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, this is a real key passage here because we see two things happening. We see one, we see the fact that they changed Daniel's and his friends' names. They changed their name. Daniel and his friends had names that honored God. Daniel's name meant God will judge. Uh, I, I believe uh, one of them had a name that meant God is gracious. The other one had a name that meant God will assist. But all of them had names that, that honored God. They were Hebrew names. Well, they took those away. They actually gave Daniel a name, Baal will protect him. So they named Daniel after a Babylonian god. Uh, Abednego, uh, the name everyone remembers so easily, Abednego actually meant servant of Nego. Nego was a Babylonian god. You say, well, so what? They changed their names. No, that's not what they're trying to do, guys. They're not trying to change their names. They're trying to steal their identity. They're trying to steal their identity that we're a, a nation and they were a people who serve God. We love God. We have one God. He's the true God. And they tried to take that away from them. You know, Daniel might have been shocked to be in this environment, but he's not overwhelmed by it. And we see some strength in him because the next phrase said, even though they tried to steal his identity, the next phrase says, but Daniel purposed in his heart, he was not going to defile himself with the king's food. Now you got to understand that, that in growing up Jewish, they had foods you couldn't eat. And, you know, for example, one of them was pork. And so there's a good chance that maybe this, uh, this king had pork and had all these wines. 
All of these foods were against the Jewish law. In other words, Daniel wasn't raised this way. This is not how he grew up. You didn't, you didn't have link sausage. You just didn't do it. And so he thought this food is, gonna, is going to defile me. Daniel stayed connected to God even in the middle of this situation. He didn't let them steal his identity. They may have, listened. they may have changed his name. They didn't change his heart. And Daniel's heart remained to serve God. And he said, I don't, I don't want to eat this stuff. But I love how he handled it. He, he spoke to the, like the dean of the school and said, look, I, I don't want to eat this, this food. It's, it's against my religion. And, but he was polite about it. He had some dignity about it. And I thought he handled their differences with dignity. He didn't rail against the culture. <laughs> he didn't walk into this dean and go, you, you heathen People eating this food. I'm not eating this food. This, this is junk. I'm not going to eat this. Y'all need to get right. That's not going to work. But he handled it. He said, please, can you, can, you give us, can you give us vegetables? Can you give us this water and vegetables? Now, the dean said, <laughs> dean said look, bro, I love you, but there's no way. I'm, in fact, he said, there's no way I'm going to have you at the end of three years. You guys step in there and all your, all your companions look all fat and flourishing and you guys look all gaunt. He said, I am not going to have that. I'm not losing my head over this. And Daniel had a great, had to be a God idea. He said, give me 10 days. Try us for 10 days. If we don't look better in 10 days, then fine, we'll eat the stuff. And, and so the, the dean of the school said, great, we'll do it. And he did it for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, listen, this had to be a miracle. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel ate vegetables and Daniel and his three friends, vegetables and water. And they said they were fatter than the ones eating all those delicacies. That had to be a miracle. But God helped them and God was with them because Daniel purposed in his heart that he was gonna keep his connection with God. You might change my name. You might try to steal my identity. But I know who my God is, and I'm staying connected to him. And you know what God did? It's, 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 it's interesting because I, I don't want you to miss this next part. Daniel was among some of his friends, people he grew up with in Jerusalem. But the Bible said, and, and we're going to read this, God honored them. Look at this. It says, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all vision and dreams. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in all his realm. And isn't that great? They honored God. Listen, it didn't say in God just decided to, no, these guys did something. They honored it in their heart. They did everything they could, Lord, to stay connected to you. And God met them right there. And God gave them what they needed. They needed wisdom. God gave them wisdom. He is wisdom. He knows everything about everything. And he gave them wisdom. And then not only to give them wisdom, he calls them to excel even in a foreign culture. So that at the very end, when they, when they begin to, to, to interview and to talk to the king, the king's like, these guys are 10 times better then the, the guys who were the culture shapers of that day, the magicians and the astrologers, all the king's wise men, Daniel and his friends had been elevated. Can God do that? Yes, he can. And so as we look at their story, guys, I think it's a wonderful picture of where we are now. And 
it gives us a great pattern of how we navigate the times that we're living in. This, this time, this season, this environment, this culture that we're in. How do we navigate? How do we deal with it? How can we come through this and still continue to excel? Can God help us do that? Absolutely, he can. So here's some things that we, I really believe will help us. The first one is this. We, we need to be aware of our environment, but... So in other words, we need to be aware of what's going on, aware of what's taking place in our country, aware of what's going on in, in the culture around us. We need to be aware, but we need to stop being awestruck by it. And I've, I've, been, I've been guilty of this, where, where you read something, you go, oh, I can't believe this. Oh, I can't believe this. Oh, and we forward things and someone forwards us something. We look at this and, and I finally told Joy, I said, I'm gonna stop. I'm just, I'm just not gonna do that anymore. You know what? I understand what we're living in. I am not shocked by it. I'm aware of it. Jesus said these times would come, so I'm going to stop being awestruck by it. The next thing I'm, that we need to do, and you, me, everyone, is we need to stop being afraid of this culture. We need to stop being afraid. If I say something and someone's going to shame me or, or say something or write something in, in my social media or troll me, or listen, guys, we need to stop being afraid of the culture that we're living in and another thing we need to stop doing is we, we don't need to be ashamed. I still believe that Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. You know, the gospel is still the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. And we may be living in a, a God scoffing, God mocking environment, but guys, there are still people, so many of them out there who are hungry in their hearts, who are lost and away from God. They need the gospel in their life and they need somebody to shine the light and go, hey, let me tell you something. I'm not afraid of what Jesus has done for me because I knew what he did for me in the past. I know how he's helped me and I know he's the one I'm trusting to help me in the future. I am not ashamed of what we're not hiding guys. Culture may be raving and ranting and we are not hiding. We're rejoicing and smiling and unashamed at what God has for us. The next thing about it is this. We need to purpose in our heart. And this is real important. We purpose in our heart that we stay connected to God. We purpose that during these times that we don't fall away, that we don't get tired, that we don't throw up our hands and go, oh, well, everything. No, no, no. We purpose in our heart that we're going to stay connected. To purpose means to commit and to determine. And here's one of the things we need to determine. We need to determine that no one is going to steal who we are, our identity in Christ Jesus. This is key. I realize sometimes people say things like, well, if, if you disagree with them, they say things well, like, you Christians are haters. We're not haters. We love people. You guys might be marching and protesting. We're feeding people. We love people. This is, this is who we are. But we're not going to allow the culture around us to steal our ID, who we are in Christ. Do you realize that God has said such wonderful things that when you became a Christian, you did, just didn't get fire insurance. Hey, I get to go to heaven instead of hell. Hey, I get to, you know, when I die, things are getting better. No, you have an identity. You have a new family. You're a new creation. You're part of God's family. You're his child. You're a son of God. You're more than a conqueror. All these things the Bible says is who we are. We're not hiding. We're connected to someone who's powerful. Terry Wardle is a Christian author who grew up probably about the time that I did as a kid, about 
10, 11 years old, he said his mom finally agreed to let him go on a, on a bicycle ride outside of his neighborhood. He's so excited. So he was, had his sister's blue swin bike, girl's bike. Y'all remember the girl's bike? They had the kind of the dip in the middle. And so he said, had saddlebags. <laughs> he said, but he had freedom. And so he is riding and he rides out of his neighborhood and he rides in, into a, a, another neighborhood and he crosses a bridge over some railroad tracks. He said it was a single lane bridge. He said, but for him, it was the bridge too far. Because when he crossed over, he said at the other end, he said three teenage boys stood up and stood right in his path. He said he was going to pass them by, but they weren't having it. One of them put his hands on the handlebars and stopped his bike. And one of them grabbed him by the shirt and said, hey kid, where do you think you're going? And, and he, he said he was just petrified, didn't know what to say. Finally, one of the kids who had him by the shirt said, what's your name, kid? And he squeaked out in his 10-year-old voice, Terry Wardle. He said, and all three boys got quiet. And one of them said, are you any kin to Tom Wardle? Now, Terry said that Tom Wardle was a much older cousin, but he was, he was a bad. Tom Wardle played defensive end. He was the starting defensive end on the high school football team. Tom was a tough guy. He was a distant cousin of Terry's, but Terry rec recognized an opportunity and he lied. He said, he's my brother. He said, immediately, the guy let go of his shirt. In fact, he straightened his shirt out and said, oh, well, he said, hey kid, he said, we were, we, we were just funding you. We weren't gonna do anything to you. He said, you're, you're a good kid. He said, if anybody ever messes with you, you, you let us know. We're, we're going to take care of it. They let him go. Terry Wardle said he learned something. They learned something about identity. He said, in a mean, aggressive world, he said he was going to need something bigger than him in his life. And I think, you know, I, I hear that story and I think, man, that is exactly where we are as, a, as believers, as a church that we might, be, we might feel like we're on a, on a little bike and the world has stopped us and demanded to know who we are. Listen, guys, we don't have to back down at all because we are connected with the one who's far greater, who's far stronger, the one who's already defeated this world. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation, but you can be of good courage because I've overcome it. We're connected with him. And being connected with him makes all the difference in the world. So what we can do is, guys, we can live in this culture without this culture living in us. And one of the things that we can do is recognizing who we are as God's child, as an ambassador of Christ, recognizing who we are, we're going to have to do what Daniel did and determine that we're not going to be stained by what the world has to offer. I said, what do you mean by that, Alan? It means we're living in a culture where there's so much darkness around us, we're going to have to determine a purpose in our heart we're not going to consume that. Years ago, there was a man named Lot. He was a nephew of Abraham. The Bible calls him a righteous man. But he and Abraham split because of a resource battle. They split. And the Bible said that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah were horrible places. A lot of wickedness there. He pitched his tent towards Sodom and wound up living in Sodom. But living in Sodom, it said it, it bothered him. And this is an interesting verse here in, in 2 Peter. It said this, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Listen to me, please. 
There is a lot of wickedness that is around us. It's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of God mocking. There's just a, a lot of, of, of voices out there. There's a lot of perversion. And we have to determine in our heart, we're going to eat clean. We're not going to consume this because it absolutely torments us. And just living surrounded by this, this is why you need something else. This is why you need to watch online church. And like I said, double down. Watch on Wednesday nights. Why? Because we need clean input coming in. We're surrounded by stuff that could spot us and stain us. I don't know about you. I don't like to wear spotted, stained, dirty clothes. We don't want our hearts to be spotted and stained. We want them clean. Do what's good for you. Eat clean. Eating clean is good for you physically. It is especially good for us spiritually. We purpose in our hearts, this is what we're going to do. And here's the deal. If we do that, listen guys, if we'll do that, if we'll honor God, if we'll stay connected to him, then God will honor us. We stay, you stay united with him. You stay walking with him. This is the time not to back away. This is the time to live stronger than ever before. I'm going to be committed to God like I never have been before. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to fellowship with God. I'm going to have a relationship with God because the darker it gets, I need to be closer to the light. Now, let me just speak as, as a church. I realize there's a lot of things that go on, especially uh, to those of us who've been around a little bit. There's a lot of things that are going on that absolutely anger us. And we're looking at, at some of these things going, what in the world? And it causes us to be angry. I don't think that's a good strategy. I think we need to handle even the people that disagree with us violently. I think we need to handle them with dignity. That we deal with our differences with dignity because here's the deal. I remember where I was and I remember one time I was away from God and I had some, I had some ideas that were deceived and, and I was, I was lost and God had mercy on me. And we have to remember you know, all, all these folks are, they're just one step away from walking into the light. We need to handle our differences with dignity. And then we need to stay connected to God in his ways. That we honor him by honoring his ways in our life. Now, I want to give you a psalm. It's a, it's a, a psalm that many of you know. It's a powerful psalm. It's the first psalm. But it gives us a pattern of, of what to do. Let's look at this. It says, blessed. I think all of us want to be blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Man, I love that. It just tells us there are some things, there's some paths we're not gonna walk in. We're gonna begin to take God's word and begin to put God's word, his truth, into our hearts and into our lives. It is the greatest buffer and deterrent against deception to have his truth in our hearts and in our lives. And as we begin to do that, what we're doing is honoring God. Say, God, I honor you and I'm honoring your ways. He said, he'll cause us to be like a tree planted by waters. There's a constant source of supply and a constant source of strength. He said, and your leaf won't wither. You're going to stay consistent. And whatever you do will prosper. In other words, we can still excel and an environment that's negative. So how am, how, how am I going to excel? I believe we can excel in peace. We can excel in joy. We can excel in unselfish God kind of love. We can excel in strength. And we can be a light to those around us. 
1856 uh, in Edinburgh, Scotland, John Gray became a night watchman for the Edinburgh Police Department. As he walked around, a very lonely job, he brought his little Sky Terrier, Bobby, with him. And Bobby was his constant companion until John Gray died in 1858. And what happened next became legend in Edinburgh. What happened next was that this little dog, Bobby, his Sky Terrier, would not leave his master's grave. He wouldn't move away from it. The only time he would move away is that kind people would come along about midday and feed him, and he would eat, but then he'd go right back to the grave. The caretaker of the graveyard is called Greyfriars Graveyard. And, and the caretaker of Greyfriars tried to evict little Bobby over and over and over again, and the dog kept coming back. The caretaker finally gave up, and he built a, a shelter there for Bobby, the little Sky Terrier. And here's what's amazing. Day after day, year after year, for 14 years, this little dog never left his master's grave. In fact, when they came out with a, a, a deal that said all unlicensed dogs had to be destroyed, the mayor of that town bought a license for Bobby and put it on him. And Bobby died in 1872. There's a, there's a statue actually erected in his honor right there in the great in Greyfriars graveyard. And he's, they call it Greyfriars Bobby. Died 14th of January, 1872. He's 16 years old. It says, may his devotion and loyalty be a lesson to us all. You know, I believe if a dog can be loyal to a master who's dead, I believe we can even more so be devoted to a, a master and a God who is so much alive. We're going to say a prayer. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, this is your time to do it. Maybe you've been away from God and you recognize, you know, in my heart, I've been away. I need to come back. Well, this prayer is for you. If you bow your head, if you're by yourself or pray it quietly, if you're around other people, let me lead you in this prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now on your, on your um, screen there, there should be a way that you can click. If you made that decision, let us know. Or you can text in to 313131, text the word in, and we'll send you some information. The only reason we ask you for this is that we can pray for you. We're going to pray for you every week. We haven't stopped. Even though we, things have changed around here, we're still praying for you. We still love you. So take a moment to do that. Before I go, let me, let me bless you. Thank you for watching. I encourage you to keep watching. It's a voice of encouragement, a voice of strength that we all need at these times like this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Thanks for watching.
Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.